0: Hello and welcome to the Ramon Foster Show, starring Ramon. He's in Hendersonville, Tennessee. I'm Dan Kovacevic in San Francisco.
1: What am I doing in San Francisco, Moan? Man, trying to find the full house house. You remember that show? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. That's what you're trying to do right now, (laughs) man. I'd love to see that house from my childhood.
0: Actually, at the top of uh, Powell Street, which is one of the cable car lines, you can actually watch them going by outside this restaurant here where I'm sitting waiting for a burger. This is this is this is the life, Moan, and I don't even mean that in necessarily the positive sense. I mean this is the actual life. I'm out here covering hockey for a week, then <laughs> I'm flying home uh, tonight in the red eye out of SFO, yeah. and uh, had the free afternoon, so came out here and saw some sea lions and climbed some hills. You know, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it is hilly. The hill district ain't got nothing on San Francisco no, no, hills no, no. at no, all.
0: Those, those are everything else is a molehill compared to the hills uh, <laughs> out here, Moan. Back home. Uh, it's weird calling him john mitchell
1: <laughs> i know i, know. I but was john like, Mitchell. john james no yeah
0: yeah he, john mitchell retired as the steelers defensive line coach it is impossible is it not yeah to uh, quantify or even qualify what this man's meant you, to the organization
1: for decades. I mean literally, I mean 30 I mean almost 30 years in it. Like that's monumental for an assistant head coach, man. For a guy like him of his caliber for the type of players that he's had. I'll continue to say a guy like um like Casey Hampton deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. But we know nose tackles are hard to get in, but look at the way those defenses were crafted and the players that they had. It started with those dudes up front with the way they were taught their technique. The way they played, the guys in front of them taught the guys behind them. Like it, it, it DK, like legitimately, like it is a tree branch, roots of just really good, great, epic type of guys that have played in that era, man. And Coach Mitch was the guy behind it all. And, and not just that, man, his his, his ability to uh relate. Uh, be real. And I'll tell you about some realness with him in a minute, man. Uh, just be real with guys. He's a no nonsense type of individual, but he was also a person like off the field. You have conversations with him. Uh, I remember being up early in the morning, sometimes, you know, hitting cardio and stuff like that. Coach Mitch be there. He's there before everybody's there. Um, just history is what he was, man. And, uh, I'm glad to have been around him. when I saw it, I was just like, geez, Mitch, Cause you, a guy like him, you don't think he's ever going to be done. Um, but everybody has their call, and 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 right now, man, to see him bow out, I'm sure they're going to give him uh, whatever he wanted, and, and, and he'll be around in some capacity too. I'm sure, still in and out the building the same way Colbert does. It's impossible <laughs>
0: to picture the place without him. That that's the main thing. That that's what jumps out to me. Uh, yeah. You mentioned Kevin Colbert, and sure enough, as the season went along, he wasn't omnipresent, he wasn't, you know, poking his head here and there or whatever, but you saw him just enough because you expected him to be there. Uh, there yeah. There's it, It's it's unfathomable to the place without Coach Mitch. Uh, tell me about the type of coach that he was from the standpoint of having to be an old-school coach. Guy by nature by age, yep. Mm-hmm. Dealing with some of the the new school personalities, do you follow uh, you what know, I'm saying here? Because yes. I, I I have seen a lot of that dynamic at the Steelers, and I got to be honest with you, it's one of the most fun things. It really is. Coach Dunbar, for example, yeah. When when he's dealing with guys, <laughs> he'll find something, some way to relate, even if it's purposely awkward. Isaiah mm-hmm. Loudermilk, for example, yeah. defensive line guy. Uh, he calls him 2-H, as, he called it from the beginning, as Isaiah ends with 2-Hs, which nobody can understand. And he goes, oh, yo, 2-H. And ev- everybody laughs like every single time, like it never stops yeah. being funny.
1: No, with Mitch, man, I'll say this. Mitch was the same way on Monday as he was on Sunday. That's how you resonate with guys. That's how you relate to guys, man. Like he, he taught hard. He coached hard. The expectation of the plan a position was hard. He was old school, and I say this. His re- reputation of what he did in games with players, how they developed, winning Super Bowls, and the amount of wins that you had in consistency, guys fell in line when it came to uh, stuff like that with Coach Mitch. He was very transparent in his approach. If you didn't get it, he would tell you, I'll get you up out of here. like, And he meant that because – His job depends on your performance, and your performance keeps him paid, and he'll tell you, it gets you paid. Like, that was the approach to it. But it was done with love and respect, but it just hit you with a bunch of reality. Like, that's the thing I think what a lot of people in Pittsburgh have have seen over the years, like the doses of reality and respect, and it's through and through that building. It really is, man. My, My hard story I had with Coach Mitch, man, was this. It was really my first business conversation ever with a coach. Uh, my rookie year, me and uh Rashawn Harris, Sonny Harris, man, wore the same number. Sonny was a draft pick for him. I was a free agent guy. Mind you, Coach Mitch, I think had he 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 he, he saw some potential in me. And, and that was from day one with him, too. Um, but it was this when it came down to Mitch. I wore 73 and Sonny wore 73. And he hit us with this right here as we're in camp. And he says this, hey, fellas, this ain't no daggone college. We don't do double numbers here. He's like, only hey, 173 can that. make it on this team. Yep. And it's up to y'all to figure out who going to be the last man standing. And I was just like, holy crap. He really, like, and from that point, it just clicked with me. And he was also one of those guys that just embedded in guys like, if you just fight, okay, if you, Coach JD, him and Coach JD also, James, if you just fight. You got an opportunity to do something special on this team, and I think that's why you never count out Pittsburgh Steelers teams is because you have guys like him that have that DNA. And honestly, as a right-hand man to Coach Tom, he was assistant head coach, also was one of his titles too for Coach Mitch. So you don't just get those types of things and move into different roles and have that type of respect around the building. Like that aha moment he gave me in 2009 – it rolled with me all of my eleven years, and I told other young guys that too. Like that's what he did for. Uh, that's how he was able to relate to guys, right there, DK. Yeah, the
0: title of assistant head coach, generally speaking, is something that you gives not the right word, but something that you you know, you, you promote someone to that status. Yeah, in in part to keep them from leaving. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's occasionally with the case. No, no, coach Mitch wasn't going to go anywhere. But this was a respect move.
1: It was.
0: Okay. Do you, I don't know if anybody can, you know, it, it's not a matter of, oh, no, we think he's the hot new guy. I mean, he was in his 60s when he got it, okay? <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: This was just, this is underscoring the extreme amount of respect that Mike Tomlin has for Coach Mitch. By the way, if anybody thinks it's a little bit weird that Moan and I are ref- repeatedly referring to him as Coach Mitch, I want you to understand something. I never heard him called anything else, okay? (laughs) Or Coach Mitch or Mitch. And in fact, in fact, in the press release that the Steelers put out today, the announcements or the quotes that are within it that come from uh, both Tomlin and Art Rooney on every single reference, refer to mm-hmm. him only as Mitch or yeah. Coach Mitch. The Rooney yeah. statement starts with Coach Mitch has been a pivotal member. So we're not being weird or, and I'm not acting chummy. I've interviewed him no. obviously a few times. That's just all we know him by. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I just think, I think this is one of those moments. It might not be something that's of super intensive interest to fans. You know, it'd yeah. be right. we could come on here and talk about, hey, what about Kenny Pickett versus Joe Burrow or something? Everybody go, whoa, yeah. here's a great video. We're going to watch a million, you're put a million views on this. <laughs> but you have to understand that this individual is a part of the fabric of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes. He's somewhere hidden inside those hypocycloids.
1: Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I I want to talk a little bit more about him, just in the growth aspect of, of how he kind of cultivated guys inside those buildings too. Man, really good individual and person. Man, I can't I can't wait to call him and talk to him just because of how important he was to that organization. Yeah, I mean that's
0: it, 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 it's something special. When we come back, more football. Welcome back to the Ramon Foster show more on the retirement of coach Mitch and Moan. What about some stories? You know, you're the stories guy. What do you got,
1: man? uh, From my understanding, coach Mitch was one of the first black players at, at uh, Alabama. Also love this university too. You know, that in the press release, Mike Tomlin
0: brings that up. He describes it as, as a courageous situation. Yeah. Okay. He said he chose to go, to the mm-hmm. University of Alabama, and you know, no one needs that level of a history lesson to know how welcome he'd have been there.
1: Yeah, and, and it wasn't even a uh, – and you know what's crazy? He didn't go after many Alabama guys himself either. You know, I guess it's probably just if you're not good, you're not good enough. That's how he was with Coach Mitch, man. Or we weren't picking high enough because we never did pick that high. Uh, rarely have we picked that high to go get those high D tackles out of Alabama. But, like, the evolution of, like, being around Coach Mitch and some of those – um You know some of those seasoned coaches is what we'll call them. You know, um, Coach Drake. You know, rest in peace to him. His times are just the, the the history that you get from those guys and the understanding and appreciation of the game. Coach Coach Daniels, JD, was that way. Coach Daniels was that way. Coach Mitch was that way. Coach Drake was that way in the sense of like one they understood where they were as coaches. Coaching what you know, with with the Steelers, like the the prestige of it, the respect factor of it, uh, and, and just how they watch guys grow inside of those buildings. Like a lot of buildings don't have that many people. Stay there for that long over time. That's one thing Pittsburgh always has had. Like, guys, has been long tenure guys. But then there's also this too, DK. The ability to get the most out of guys that don't you that you don't really expect to do those types of things with, right? Like I can bring up a few guys just off top, man. Um Steve McClendon, who went on to have a very good career, right? In the NFL. Steve was an undrafted guy out of Troy. You hear me? Like, nobody was watching for Steve McClendon, man. Now, Super Bowl champion, Steve McClendon.
0: As raw as raw gets when he arrived in Pittsburgh. And but, I, I really liked him. And so, yeah. that's not a shot, but he was a Project.
1: My my roommate, my rookie year, both of us undrafted together, and they just took a liking to it. Like the way Mitch like challenged him and pushed him, like he was one of his first round draft picks. And he'd always say, Steve, you're gonna be all right. You know what I'm saying? Like those types of situation. Uh uh uh, uh Al Woods been another one of those guys that's still in this league now with the um Seahawks. Like, that's another guy that kind of found his way that Mitch just said, Look, we're gonna make something out of getting a veteran at the time like Nick Easton. Like, think about these names that made plays for the Steelers. Okay, and I'm – Hokey, bro. Like, That's think about
0: mm-hmm. how, how
1: legendary was Hokey. Like, legitimately around Pittsburgh, even to this day. Yeah. the The way Coach Mitch was able to draw him up and, and find a role for him and, and create in a technique, like, in a technique And a technique that
0: worked, too. And, That's something that Hokey used to talk about all the time. Yes, Go ahead. Yeah, it's, and, it's,
1: everything about
0: Hokey was, was technique. I mean, look at his build. Okay, oh well, I'm saying that I love the guy. This is respectful, but look at his yeah. build, and then look what look what he made of himself.
1: But you know what? He coached Hokie the same way that he did uh, uh, Cam. You see what I'm saying? The same way that he did Casey Hampton, the same way that he did Kersky, the same way that he did all these legendary players that have walked through that building, being coached by him. Every single person, if you're gonna listen, and it's gonna be the hard way meaning Coach Mitch's way you're going to prosper from it man like legitimately we've seen these type of things come about to where these guys become Pittsburgh legends in a sense like yeah they may not go into Canton you know what I'm saying those type of situations but they are cemented in that building as guys that laid it on the line man and it's, it's always interesting it's not just those positions I've always watched Coach Mitch's uh, relationship with a guy like Lawrence Timmons or Lamar Woodley or Jarvis Jones even just to just push him and it, it was always really cool to see that but not just the football side of it man you know how the hard coaches are they're usually the most cool dudes off the field too You know, Coach Mitch, if you ever speak to Coach Mitch, he loves his wines. Do you understand me? Very cultured individual, smart guy, loves a good restaurant, and he's into art too. So being like me, being a young guy, understanding, okay, there's different types of wine. There's not just a red and a white one. Like he was into those types of things. I had some bottles that he ended up finding me at a really good price. There were some really good bottles, and that's what he would do with the art that he uh, introduced guys to around the building, not just to be, hey, there's a star. Market over there, there's some art too that's just gonna you know go up in value later in life. It was cool to watch him just kind of make sure guys were real well rounded, you know, the dress code for the Mm -hmm. plane and stuff Mm -hmm. like that, and how there was ranking order and like how you moved around the building.
0: He took care of business, he took care of business. Man, business that that was the anybody who doesn't know he stopped being the defensive line coach in 2017. (laughs) He retained the title of assistant head coach. So you can wonder, what was he doing? What was he doing? (laughs) That's what he was doing. He made Mike Tomlin's job easier. There were many, many, many individual little things that he was Mm -hmm. able to handle so that the head coach didn't have to. Speaking of cultured, my food just came. Check this out. Hey! Look at that. I got uh, some kind of just burger, whatever. It's a really, really cool place. Some fresh hot fries. Look at that, Moon.
1: The fries... on the side and no coleslaw
0: what listen i'm not coach mitch okay i don't know the difference between red wine white wine from uh from purple wine i have no idea when we come back the only segment that matters i'll have some fries Welcome back to the Ramon Foster show and the only segment that matters. And that would be your Hey Moan segment, which is brought to you by the GetGo Cafe and Market, where quality is at the core of every menu item. No GetGo's out here in San Francisco, by the way. Unfortunately, this does look pretty good. At GetGo, three expert chefs fine tune every detail so that every sub, burger, salad, wrap, drink, and app is crafted for craveability. Order your favorite entry at the get-go cafe and market today. Better believe it. And today's entry on this segment comes from Teresa. And she says, I'm going to yell this out loud enough to startle everybody in this restaurant. Hey, bone. <laughs> that sounds like a Yenza right there. <laughs> She's, yeah. Right. That was, my, that was my old mayor, Sophie Maslow. Yeah. Uh Really enjoy watching you and DK on the Daily Podcast, big fan. You and DK were discussing the need to potentially add to the wide receiver room because the Steelers lack that possession wide receiver, meaning, you know, maybe it's not Deontay Johnson. What would you think about drafting a good blocking slash receiving tight end like a Darnell Washington out of Georgia with our 49th pick in lieu of a wide receiver? Seems to have a lot of untapped potential as a receiver, and it could allow the Steelers to utilize three tight end sets. It's a really good question, and I've thought about it. I've thought about it. Go ahead, Moan that's really good Darnell Washington
1: yeah that kid is a monster he's a big Mm -hmm. old dude too man with Mm -hmm. a whole lot of ball left in him also this is a really good year for tight ends just in general being down at the senior bowl being able to see some of those prospects down there if if available there will be a guy there I I just want to know is Pittsburgh going to be able to run a two tight end three tight end set two with that many big guys on the field as fast as football has kind of turned you like Teresa you almost almost asking us to become a little bit like the Baltimore Ravens in a sense. Mm -hmm. You you know, so I I don't know if that's the case. Would I enjoy having a a guy like Darnell Washington out of Georgia? Yeah, but I just don't know if he's going to fit our scheme. And then you already have the playmaking tight end and and Pat Fryamuth, too. And you know where I'm going with the next guy. I I know where you're going. And you think it's going to be
0: Connor Hayward. Did he not show you enough? He showed me enough in terms of playmaking, but... Let's repeat for the citizens. I know. Where do all the drills get the head coach's notice? Okay.
1: On that blocking pad.
0: Mike Tomlin hangs out. He lives. He actually he actually rooms and boards at the tight end's <laughs> blocking pad. And you will see him over there. And he did this to Zach Gentry for three years.
1: Yes, he and, did.
0: And and it eventually turned Zach Gentry into a pretty nice piece. Not as nice an offensive piece as Matt Canada would treat him on occasion. Okay. But you Very have nice. th- you have three tight ends in the fold is what I'm saying if Gentry is brought back. Now yeah, Zach told I, me himself he doesn't he said at the end of the season he didn't think he, to, to me that he, he was really really skeptical about being back. but everything I've heard since then that's flipped. Okay. So now there's optimism that he'll be back. And that's, I think that's good news for the Steelers. Uh,
1: really good news. He was probably emotional and, you know, maybe a little bit excited about free agency in a sense. So I get that. I, I've seen guys be that way. I probably told you that before DK, like, man, I don't know. You know, that's that's the way oh, the end I of the season you,
0: you had everything out but the violin. I remember. Yeah. I remember I that, that <laughs> one summer when you didn't know if you were going to get that contract, and you're yeah. like, I don't know. I think this might be it. This might be it. And I'm like, <laughs>
1: <"Mm-mm-mm."> <laughs> guys, you got to get in a certain mental space, man, to deal with this free agency stuff. But I, I think the still is. Steelers- Get a wide receiver regardless. They have, as of late, man, and I'm not going to for the superstitious people like myself, they've hit on second and 3rd round wide receivers. I can see this being a thing in today's college ball. There's so many wide receivers that are getting passes thrown at their way that I know that's something that they judge that position on. Like, yeah, you had a whole lot of numbers, but how many passes did you have coming your way? How many, you know, catches did you have an Emmanuel Sanders type of guy that can move the chains? That's I mean, think about E. E was a what third rounder, if I'm not mistaken? Third, fourth rounder. I, I believe
0: E was third.
1: Yeah, E was third. So just th- that's off the top of my ch-
0: head. I know he wasn't top two. I, I believe and he was a third-rounder.
1: I, I think it's more important to say this. The battle for number one this year, as far as no, wide receiver number one, and it'll still be a battle, DK, no matter how much we think about George Pickens. They still right. got to battle it out. So which in money, that situation, Hey, Heymon,
0: hey Mon, which money was E? Was, uh, he, was he easy money?
1: Yeah, he was easy money. Okay, yeah, sorry. Easy money. of all the money, yeah. <laughs> which one was he? He was easy money. Okay, I'm sorry. He was easy I'm money. sorry. Resume. <laughs> no, no. I, I was just gonna say it, there still has to be a battle for the number one wide receiver position, and that's George Pickens. That's also Deontay. Deontay's not gonna bow out. It'll evolve into something like that for either one of them. But you can't also muddy the pot by getting another high round traffic. I'm thinking second, third, and a specific type of player to to the point of a possession another tight end truthfully you got too many options to actually go down that route to go get a darnell washington out of georgia
0: yeah certainly first three round uh, first three picks okay not rounds because yeah. this team has uh 17 32 and 49 yeah okay and in fairness to Teresa, she did cite the 49 pick. Yeah, so she doesn't yeah. see him as being somebody who's going to be one of those, you know, the the 17 mm-hmm. or the 32, and that's probably accurate. I just, I think, you know, I, I know we always think of the draft as, you know, which positions do you want to fill? Yeah. And they, they they have to do that to an extent. You do want the best player, but you can't force it. Yeah. And no. I, I just I look at this team right now and I'm picturing, well, guys that Coach Mitch would have been happy to add. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's where I'm thinking here. Defensive they, they, line.
1: They need the meats on that side of the ball, man. That is one hundred percent true. And you know I've been saying that for a little while mm-hmm. now. Cam won't admit he's not young anymore, but Cam gonna need some help and uh those guys on the other side of the ball need that desperately. Yeah, and
0: Cam just unsubscribed from our channel. I see just this second. How about that? He's like, wait a second, wait a second, what?
1: <laughs> hey, hey, I'm only even, 34. Even Batman needed a Robin. You hear me?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, he's he, that's what he needs right now. He, he needs, needs a Robin. He needs mm, a couple, and let's see how Demarvin Leal shakes out and I other like guys. Him. I know you do. I know no. you do. Wow. Uh, I want to see him. What's he look like when it's 60 snaps, not 10 in a gimmick roll. You see too. what I'm saying? So, and, and that's
1: what year two is about.
0: Yep. Everybody's got to grow up. And everybody's got to grow a little bit bigger, too. Yeah, a little bit thicker. <laughs> <laughs> Mona, I'm flying home in a little bit here. Let's do another one tomorrow back from the good place.
1: Absolutely. Be safe, man. Yep.